Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for April 24th, 2018. On today's show, we're going to give you the first spoiler-free reactions for Avengers Infinity War and share with you all the non-spoiler news to break out of the Kevin Feige interviews at the Avengers Junket. So everything you need to know about the MCU moving forward and uh, what to expect from Avengers Infinity War. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast are Slash Film Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And Slash Film Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? So uh, today's podcast, if, if, if you don't care about Marvel, um, you probably don't need to listen to today's podcast. But um, you don't need to worry about spoilers. Nothing we're going to be talking about today is uh, spoilers. There's a bunch of news bits to come out of uh, the Infinity War junket, which I attended yesterday. I spoke to uh, Marvel head Kevin Feige. Um, we will run the interview on the site this week at some point. I didn't get any major scoops, but a lot of sites did get some scoops. Uh, so let's talk about that. Let's Actually, before we talk to, about Kevin Feige... Let's talk about our friend James Cameron, uh, who made uh, the Avatar movie, and uh, he's making the Avatar sequels. Uh, he apparently thinks that uh, audiences are getting tired of the Avengers. Brad, tell us about it. 
Yeah, so uh, some press um, interviewed or at least had some kind of press conference with James Cameron over the weekend because he's promoting his new documentary series, AMC Visionaries, which is kind of about the evolution and establishment of the sci-fi genre as it stands today and uh, what it has been over the years. And while he was talking about uh, the show, conversation eventually turned to uh, the Avatar sequels, which kind of turned to you know the state of uh, blockbusters in general. And at some point he got on the subject of avengers and he gave you know uh, a very short i guess reaction what you could say to uh the success of the avengers movies but also said a lot within it i'll just say uh what, what he his exact quote he says i'm hoping we're going to start getting avenger fatigue not that i don't love the movies it's just come on guys there are other stories to tell besides you know hypogonadal males without families doing death-defying things for two hours and wrecking cities in the process there's a lot to unpack in that sentence because, first of all, the fact that he calls all the Avengers hypogonadal uh, males, meaning that they're sexually deficient or lacking uh, sufficient male hormones, is positively ludicrous. It's not as if all of the male characters in these superhero movies are avoiding any contact with females or don't have love interests or don't even have lust or things like that. I mean, th- it seems like James Cameron has no idea who Tony Stark and uh, Star-Lord are who are, you know, positively, like, you know, desperate to hook up with women at, at different times in their lives. And, you know, all, even the other male characters, they all have love interests. You know, Steve, Ar- Steve Rogers has Peggy Carter, and Bruce Banner had Betty Ross, and then uh, switched over to, you know, Natasha Romanoff for a bit. Thor had Jane Foster. Oh, uh, oh, Ch- okay, bad. Ch- 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 it's just, it's, it's frustrating to me that, that James Cameron is saying such blind things like this. Especially when they also all have families of varying kinds and traditions. So it just seems like James Cameron's just kind of talking out of his ass and just being the old man filmmaker. Like, oh, I wish these Avengers kids would get off my lawn. (laughs) Do you think that this might be like kind of a preemptive strike? I mean, he has the Avatar sequels that he's working on. uh, What are there? Four of them? Five of them? Yeah, there's going to be five total movies. (laughs) There's four sequels he's working on. I'm sure he's worried about Avengers taking some of his glory at the box office. But if, if these movies are going to be so good, then, you know, what does he have to worry about? He has one of the most successful films of all time. You know, people will probably turn out to see at least the first one. And as long as it's good, they'll keep showing up to him. I just, it, he has such a weird perspective on the Marvel movies and the Avengers in general that it's just, it's so weird that he would focus on the, these specific traits about them when they don't make any sense. But but then again, this is coming from the guy who tried to write a Spider-Man sex scene involving Mary Jane and bondage sex with Spider-Man's web on the Brooklyn Bridge. So it's, you know, whatever, James Cameron. Um, at the Avengers press conference, uh, someone asked about the comments, but it was kind of brushed off. But later on in the one-on-one interview, someone actually asked Kevin Feige uh, point blank about James Cameron's uh, Avengers uh, fatigue comments. Uh, Brad, what do we know? Uh, yeah, I mean, he... he he basically still uh, brushed them off, but he honed in on a very specific part of James Cameron's thing, which is, and Kevin Feige says, uh, he loves the movies. That's awesome. He's <laughs> like, wow, James Cameron loves our movies. That's exciting. <laughs> I love uh, <laughs> I love that that's Kevin Feige's takeaway from that, or at least his takeaway when he's uh, presented with the quote in front of press, which, by the way, that um, I talked to the journalist that got that quote in uh, – Feige claimed to have not read the quote uh, or even heard about the quote until he brought it up. 
which seems a little uh, crazy to me because that was going everywhere over the weekend. Um, but let's move on to uh, Black Panther. Uh, Ryan Coogler, is he going to return for Black Panther 2, Ben? Well, we don't know the answer to that yet, but we do know that Kevin Feige is interested and he wants Ryan Coogler to come back. Uh, somebody asked him, actually Collider spoke with him over the weekend and asked specifically about whether or not Ryan Coogler will return to direct Black Panther 2. And Kevin Feige said, we definitely want Ryan to come back and that's actively being worked out right now. When will it be? A lot of it will be when Ryan wants to and not rushing anything. But I think we have an idea of when it will be. But again, we're not going to announce any post-Avengers 4 movies until hopefully after Avengers 4, which is another reason we're not going to Comic-Con. And we'll talk about that part later in this episode. But uh, focusing on the Ryan Coogler stuff, I'm guessing that the reason that it's being actively worked out right now is because the first Black Panther has already passed Titanic and become the third highest grossing movie in American cinematic history. It is a huge gargantuan success. And I would guess that Ryan Coogler's representatives are trying to uh, negotiate a big pay raise for him, a well-deserved one at that. So I'm hoping that uh, that everything sort of comes out okay. Uh, you know, we saw something similar happen with Patty Jenkins when Wonder Woman did uh, way better than expected. So um, here's hoping, fingers crossed, and all that jazz that uh, that Ryan Coogler comes back because he obviously did a terrific job with Black Panther. Yeah. Do Do you think um, Do you think this is why James Cameron's mad that Black Panther two surpassed Titanic? <laughs> I, it's it's a personal thing for him. I, I don't know. About yeah, it's that. personal. Think... Uh, you know, so when I was at the press conference over the weekend, some people were joking about asking uh, Zoe Saldana uh, what she thought of James Cameron's comments. I, I thought that would have been funny and put her in a uh, interesting situation, considering you know she's a star in the MCU and all, uh, also uh, the Avatar movies. But uh, let's move on uh, to Avengers Four which we know nothing about really right now. We don't know of a title. Uh, we don't know when we're going to get a title. But, uh, you know, people are already asking about how long the movie is going to be. Brad, is it going to be longer than Infinity War? Uh, so our friends at Collider decided to ask Anthony and Joe Russo if they thought that Avengers 4 could end up being, as lo um, being longer than Infinity War. And uh, the initial answer <laughs> um, was that yes, it will probably be longer than Infinity War. But then the Russos kind of kept going back and forth. They were like, well, like, sure, the possibility is there, but we also don't have a complete cut of Avengers 4 in yet, so we can't really say definitively. The movie is also a year away, so we don't really know for sure. And so it's just, uh, they had just a really funny rapport back and forth of how they, they kind of answered the question, but then they would backtrack on it a bit. And it was this you know playful banter between them. And they weren't doing it on purpose like to create confusion or anything like that it was just you know that's just kind of their uh how they operate together which is probably why they're such a good directing duo they just feed off of each other and you know one plays good cop the other one plays bad cop i guess so there's no it's um like i said unclear as to whether or not it could be there there is the potential for it to be you know the first three-hour movie for marvel but you know it's it's all speculation at this point it's just far too early to say for sure infinity wars like how long two and a half hours something like that yeah i think i think so yeah, so uh, that would be crazy if it's three hours or, you know, over two and a half hours. Um, you know, there's less show times in the day, and Disney will make less money, uh, theoretically, uh, off that. But, you know, movies like Titanic are three hours long, so I don't know. Uh, let's move on to uh, Marvel Studios is confirming they are developing an Eternals movie. We talked about this uh, a couple weeks back, but they have now finally confirmed it. Ben, what do we know? 
Yes. So uh, in an interview with The Wrap, Kevin Feige said, Eternals is one of many, many, many things that we are actively beginning to have creative discussions about to see if we believe in them enough to put them on a slate. And that was his quote there. He mentioned that there are a bunch of movies that they're, the studio has already announced that they're currently working on. And those are, quote, taking up 90% of our time. But there's 10% we're starting to go, what's going to be best? So he's talking about thinking about phase four, essentially, what comes after Avengers four. And it sounds like uh, an Eternals movie is one of those possibilities. Uh, you can read this article at slashfilm.com. We'll link to it in the show notes. He also mentions Moon Knight. So if you guys know anything about that character, you can read about his comments there. But in terms of Eternals, we talked about that not too long ago. And they basically are, uh, I guess, to, to sum it up as briefly as possible, uh, in comic book history, the Celestials, the characters that we've seen already in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, visited the Earth, I think it was five million years ago, and performed these genetic experiments on early forms of human life, and essentially created two new races out of those genetic experiments, one of which is the Eternals, which are these sort of... Um, essentially immortal beings who have superhuman strength and they can fly and teleport and shoot blasts of heat and energy from their hands. They have mind control powers. Uh, in the comics, Thanos is actually an Eternal. So that's sort of an interesting thing. And the rap says that multiple screenwriters have taken meetings and have been asked to come up with a story that focuses on a female Eternal known as Cersei. So that is what the... I guess wait, this wait, wait, is. Ben. Is this a Game of Thrones, Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe crossover? No, it's not. And it's actually really interesting because I, I um, grew up really loving Greek and Roman mythology. And if anybody else out there knows anything about um, the Odyssey, you might remember that Odysseus, the, the character, the main hero of the Odyssey and his crew come across a uh, like a witch woman named Circe. And it turns out that in the Marvel comics, they have sort of um, retconned this this eternal to be that same person who appeared in Greek mythology. So it's a really sort of fascinating, uh, you know, retcon, reversal, rewriting of history kind of thing that they've got going on. But in more co modern comic storylines, uh, the character of Cersei is like a New York City wealthy socialite who... Um, you know, performs for her guests and, and she uses her powers essentially to perform all these illusions and people just think that she's a really talented magician. She's actually served as a member of the Avengers before. So, uh, yeah, we, um, and again, this is all very early in the process and we don't know exactly when this would be potentially dropped on the slate, but it's interesting that um, Kevin Feige is talking about an Eternals movie is definitely something that they're working on in some form, especially since, as we mentioned last time, Ava DuVernay is directing a New Gods movie across the across the town, I guess, over at DC Films. And that's essentially a, a similar concept about, you know, uh, huge godlike cosmic figures uh, that were both created by Jack Kirby back in the 70s. Yeah. And uh, Brad, you mentioned Spider-Man early on. One of the things I loved about Spider-Man Homecoming uh, was, you know, that was so grounded. It was set kind of in high school. You know, they had a, a school trip to Washington, D.C. You know, they had that brief uh, opening with in Germany at the airport for Civil War. But it, for the most part, it was kind of gr uh, this grounded tale. Uh, I guess we've learned that the sequel is going to bring us around the world. Yeah, so uh, our old buddy Jermaine Lucier at io9 talked to Kevin Feige a little bit over the weekend. And uh, we, we've known that uh, Spider the Spider-Man Homecoming sequel was going to be shooting in London 
Um, but we didn't necessarily know if there was any other motivation behind that besides just, you know, working at the studios over there because they've been shooting in predominantly in Atlanta. Most of the Marvel movies, with the exception of uh, Thor Ragnarok and some uh, some other smaller location shoots. And the reason they're actually shooting in London this time instead of Atlanta is uh, because they're actually going to be spending time in other parts of the globe. He didn't get specific with where they would be heading as far as international locations are concerned. One would assume that since they are shooting in London, that London might be one of them. Um, but it could also easily be France. Uh, it could um, you know, go maybe back to Germany. Uh, there's plenty of European locations that would be cool for, for Spider-Man to visit. Um, the, the France location is an intriguing one because there have been rumblings that there are auditions of uh, French actresses trying out for the um, the role of Gwen Stacy, potentially, turning the character into um, a, a student from abroad. A lot of people had assumed that maybe Gwen Stacy was going to be a foreign exchange student coming to New York, but uh, part of me wonders if maybe Peter Parker is going to be the foreign exchange student, and that's how Spider-Man ends up doing some stuff uh, overseas. Now, does this worry you guys at all? Because, you know, I, I brought it up in my intro to this, but, like... One of the things I loved about Homecoming was kind of the grounded element, and I feel like bringing it worldwide could uh, opening it up to you know it having to be like bigger and badder stakes. Uh, ben, any thoughts? Um, I mean, I think that the writers of Homecoming, who a couple of which are coming back to write this sequel, have a good enough um, grasp on the character of Peter Parker, and I, I would like to believe that they're going to. If, if they do take Peter overseas, they're, they're going to, I guess, center the action around the character like they did in the first movie and not necessarily let it get swept away in the, the grandeur of it all. I, I would like to think it's going to be a lot of sort of fish out of water comedy and things like that where Peter is, you know, in way over his head, but it's more uh, small scale and character based. And yeah, some yeah. of the action, you know, there could be like an Eiffel Tower <laughs> battle scene or something like that. But um, but yeah, I, I, I'm am I, I wrong that it's. That like the the Washington Monument scene is like one of the least good parts of that film. I mean, uh, you're probably not wrong. I think the the airplane fight at the end is, yeah, is probably it. one of its lower points. Uh, so I like the monument scene a little bit more than that. But yeah, I mean, there are definitely uh, higher highs than that for sure. Yeah. Um, let's see where it goes. Uh, and speaking of that, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, timeline. Uh, you know, a lot of fans look and try to piece the timeline together of where things fit in. And, uh, you know, when when uh, Spider-Man came out, there was there was something that kind of threw the timeline off. And uh, finally, uh, the Russo brothers have addressed this. What do we know? Yeah. So if you guys remember, Spider-Man Homecoming came out in 2017 and most of the Marvel films are essentially supposed to come out right around in real time of or they're supposed to take place in real time to when they come out. So, like I said, Homecoming comes out in 2017. It actually opens up right in the wake of The Avengers, which came out in 2012, The Battle of New York. And if you remember Michael Keaton's Adrian Toomes, he loses this contract to clean up the debris that that came from that. And then the movie jumps forward eight years. So that if that took place in 2012, that would mean that the majority of Spider-Man Homecoming takes place in 2020, 
not 2017. So that sort of threw people for a loop and, and had everybody reanalyzing the MCU timeline as we know it thus far. And in a new interview, Joe Russo was asked about this. Um, somebody was doing like a sort of a rapid fire uh, question and answer session with him. And they said, how many... Uh, years was it between the events of the Avengers and the beginning of um, or essentially what happened in the majority of uh, Homecoming and he said oh it was eight years I believe and it was quite controversial yes it was a very incorrect eight years so it seems like Marvel has just sort of brushed over this whole thing which strikes me as so odd that that they would make it so specific because they like went out of their way to put eight years later uh, in the beginning of that movie, they could have just left it vague and had people guessing. But yeah. I don't know. What do you think about this, Peter? It's so strange because, you know, we've heard Kevin Feige talk about this, like, they have this, like, long scroll of like, the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline from, you know, the creation of Earth to, like, now. And, like, they have everything mapped up and mapped out. It, it just seems so weird that they would make such a small, I mean, a huge mistake. I mean, it's a small but huge mistake in this timeline. Um, and, you know, it's already out on home video and stuff. Like, there's no way to fix that. It just seems weird. And this isn't, like, one of those things. Uh, and not that, like, you know, most mainstream audiences will e- even think about this. Right. But it's it, this isn't something that they can fix with the line of dialogue down the line. This is, like, you know, text on a screen. So, um, yeah. I don't know how you explain that. Uh, but let's, uh, let's move on to Comic-Con. Comic-Con's quickly approaching... Guys, we've got a hotel. I'm excited about that. It means that uh, we will actually be there and not sleeping on the streets. And um, <laughs> But uh, the disappointing news is that Marvel will not be in Hall H this year. Brad, tell us why. Yeah, so uh, because of all the barrage of all the press coming out of the junket for Avengers Infinity War this weekend, Kevin Feige was asked, uh, whether Marvel would put on their big show as they've uh, come known to do in Hall H. But it's going to be an off year for them because after Avengers Infinity War comes out and then uh, the, it'll also be on the heels of Ant-Man and the Wasp hitting theaters, they're really not prepared to have a big panel where they're ready to show off a bunch of stuff. Uh, Captain Marvel will have just finished filming, so sure, they could show off some footage from that, but when Marvel shows up to Hall H, they want to put on a big show. And they're not going to be ready to announce anything that's going to be coming after Avengers 4 yet. You know, we know that there's supposed to be a Spider-Man Homecoming sequel and and what uh, maybe a couple other sequels that we're anticipating. But Marvel has yet to officially announce any movies coming out after Avengers 4. So they're just not ready to come out and have a whole slate yet. So they'll probably return the following year after Avengers 4 has, you know, uh, debuted in theaters in May of 2019. And they might have some more to tell us. But right now, it's just it's really not worth it for them to spend the money to come out and put on a show that really is going to be disappointing for fans. I think it's interesting but, that they're going to be holding back the announcement of their slate until Avengers 4 hits jitters. Because, like, you know, what is Avengers 4 going to do to this universe that we have to wait until that comes out to announce, you know, their projects for the next you know five years? Yeah, exactly. It's I mean, it's uh, clearly going to be something drastically different than what we've seen so far and something that's going to happen in that movie that's really going to shake things up uh, and that's getting people speculating um on top of that interestingly enough comic-con may not necessarily be the place to see all the coolest marvel stuff anymore as far as the marvel cinematic universe is concerned um because you know feige has, has been asked before 
whether they've considered, you know, doing a, their own sort of Marvel celebration. Um, and it's something that he said that has been considered and discussed simply because Star Wars celebration has been so exciting. And that's turned into a big place uh, for announcing new Star Wars projects and big news uh, about everything related to Star Wars. So we've gotten to a point now where Marvel is getting pretty huge. They've got 10 years worth of movies. Um, you know, they'll have, tw um, I think, what, 22, 23 movies by the time Avengers 4 comes out. Um, so at the, at that point, you know, why not have their own celebration so that all comic book fans can come out and, you know, really just enjoy Marvel with only Marvel fans. Now I have a question for you. Would, would you, you know, fly out to a Marvel celebration? Is that something you'd seek out? That's just Marvel. I mean, Comic-Con has everything, you know, D23 has, you know, everything Disney, even Disney owns like, you know, one, one third of all of movies right now uh so i mean that makes sense but what about just marvel yeah i mean for me personally probably not just because i love the marvel movies but there's only so much they can do at a given time for those marvel movies and i'm also a huge star wars fan but i've also never bitten the bullet and gone to star wars celebration either i i, I would like to sometime maybe just for the experience but it's not something that i feel compelled to go to whenever they have it simply because I feel like because it's only focused on one franchise that it's, it's kind of limiting in that way. For sure. Uh, let's move on to Fox. You know, we know Disney is acquiring 20th century Fox or at least their film uh, d division and their TV channels, uh, their non uh, news and sports TV channels. Uh, a lot of people are wondering, you know, when are the mutants, the X-Men, going to join the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Uh, Kevin Feige wasn't talking to uh, press at Black Panther, um, and we weren't, we didn't have a chance to ask him then. But now press have finally gotten a chance to ask Kevin Feige about the mutants. Ben, when are we going to see the X-Men join up with the Avengers? So we know that the Disney Fox deal is not going to really take place until or really go through until sometime next year. And there has been some speculation that maybe some of the characters from the X-Men or Deadpool or, or the Fantastic Four could theoretically pop up in some of the MCU movies that have already been announced and are actually like filming now. Um, but it seems like. According to Kevin Feige, that is not the case. So in a new interview, he said any of that deal would take a while to get going and years from whenever and if ever it happens. So certainly it won't impact the five movies we've announced, and it probably wouldn't impact anything for a handful of years after that, because really we're not thinking about that. We're thinking of delivering on what we promised. Any movie, especially for any characters we don't have the rights to yet until someone tells us we do, would be even further after that. So this sounds like it might even be into phase five, whatever that is, <laughs> until we can expect to see the X-Men and Deadpool and, and some of these characters sliding into the official MCU canon. I just wonder how that's even going to work, because, uh, you know, if you watch the X-Men movies, you know that their universe is kind of uh, very well established and it's not the same universe that the Avengers live in. You know, it has a different backstory a different uh you know history uh so i'm wondering if uh kevin feige can even you know combine them do you think he'll have to uh, i'm wondering ben what, what do you think do you think he'll it, it, there's a way to combine the universes or do you think he'll have to reboot the mutants yeah. to get them in yeah there? I, 
I think it's so complicated and convoluted, the, the X-Men timeline as it exists right now. And it seems like the X-Men franchise, as it's sort of been controlled by Fox, is kind of running out of steam in the in the group movies anyway. Obviously, they've done really well with Deadpool and Logan, some of these sort of uh, spinoffs of one character. But in terms of like the main X-Men saga moving forward, I think that's getting pretty stale pretty fast. And I would not be remotely surprised to see, you know, um, what is the next one called? X-Men? Uh, Dark Phoenix? God, Dark Phoenix, thank yeah. you. Uh, to see that be maybe the last of those saga films, especially since we know that, you know, people like Michael Fassbender and Jennifer Lawrence, their contracts are expired. They're doing these movies um, essentially one at a time now, which means that they can essentially charge the studio, you know, get a lot more money from the studio. They're no longer under contract. Um, they're basically renegotiating every time. So I, my guess is we'll see the Fox movies sort of come to an end as they are. And then Feige or whoever is end up, you know, in charge of Marvel at that time, a couple of years from now, um, just completely recast everything and bring in a whole new X-Men team for the MCU. That could be interesting. Um, we are recording this uh, on Monday afternoon. Uh, the Avengers Infinity War premiere takes place tonight in Hollywood, California uh, on Hollywood Boulevard. I think it's a multi-theater thing. It's kind of like a big event. Uh, I happen to have right here a time stone, which is going to allow us to look forward into the future, your past, to get the early reactions from the Avengers Infinity War premiere. Um, and, uh, you know, this is going to be spoiler free, so you can feel free to listen. Obviously, it's going to tell you what people, if people liked it or they didn't. So uh, if you don't want to know that, you can tune out right now. Although I feel like you're probably looking at Twitter and you're probably seeing this somewhere if you're not hearing it here. So you may as well just listen. Here we go. All right. The Avengers Infinity War early buzz is streaming in right now. Our own Peter Serretta says, Infinity War is everything you want, nothing you expect. It's funny, surprising, dark, filled with delightful interplay between characters never seen on screen before. I know many filmmakers say they are trying to make a sequel in the vein of Empire Strikes Back. This succeeds. So that's some pretty high praise. Uh, overall, though, I, I feel like a lot of the reactions that we're seeing right now are more mixed than I thought they would be. Yes, there is a lot of praise for this movie, but uh, there is also some hesitation about maybe the film being uh, a little bit too big for its own good at times. Let's go through a couple of the more positive reactions first. Steve Weintraub at Collider says, Jaw on ground. You are not ready for Avengers Infinity War. All you have to know is avoid all spoilers. Seriously, going, go in knowing as little as possible. The Russo brothers did the impossible. Eric Eisenberg from Cinema Blend says, Holy hell, Avengers Infinity War is the real deal. I was left breathless sitting in the theater. Real consequences, stunning moments, awesome character interaction, and some big and often devastating surprises. Oh, and Thanos is terrifying and amazing. Damn. So that's, uh, again, some pretty high praise. Uh, Angie Han over at Mashable says, Avengers Infinity War, despite some truly thrilling moments, it feels like less than the sum of its parts. A definite step down after that epic run of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Spidey, Thor 3, and Black Panther, but what else did I expect? Mike Ryan at Uprox says, In Avengers Infinity War has like 10 legit chill-down-the-spine great moments, but it's for sure the first half of a two-part movie and I left a little unsatisfied slash frustrated, maybe by design. At least how, that's how I feel right now, three hours later. 
Uh, Tasha Robinson says, Avengers Infinity War is basically Captain America Civil War times 20, except with less hero on hero fighting. I think people who loved the airport fight in Civil War like I did will go nuts for this film, and people who were bored will be 20 times as bored here. But personally, if I'd seen Infinity War for the first time at a normal screening in a normal theater, I would have walked out afterward, bought another ticket, and walked right back in for a second viewing. That's how much I was into it. Uh, somebody else, uh, Jordan Zacharin at Inverse, said, Imagine taking a giant bowl and filling it with every flavor of ice cream and every topping. And finally, Bill Jabiri says, Infinity War is exhausting. Exhausting. It all just turned into noise for me after a while. But the amazing ending almost made up for the rest of it. And Thanos is a good, sad villain. That's another thing that a lot of these reactions seem to have in common, talking about how amazing the ending is. And again, just warning people to avoid spoilers at all costs. So that's going to be it for now. Let's send it back to the past. Back to you guys. Okay, guys, we are back from the future. We're now on Monday afternoon again. Forget the fact that we just used the time zone to do something that doesn't really change the world or do anything significant, even though we could have done so many cool things. <laughs> Damn it. I feel like I'm like, you know, I had Aladdin. I had the genie and I asked him three ridiculous wishes. And uh... I, want, I want a Snickers bar, a Twix bar, and a Milky Way. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Brad, where can people find more of your work online? Always on SlashFilm.com, on Twitter at Ethan underscore Anderton, and also my own podcast called Go Flix Yourself, F-L-I-X, on iTunes and other podcasting platforms. Ben, where can people find you? You can find me writing at SlashFilm.com, and you can track me down on Twitter at Ben Pears. You can find me at Slash Film and on Slash Film.com. Uh, before I give you the outro, I should say that I'm going to be, uh, while you're listening to this, I will already be in Las Vegas to cover CinemaCon, which is a big uh, gathering of movie theater exhibitors. The movie studios come together to Las Vegas to show them uh, the next year of movies and try to get them excited about the you know their films that are coming out. I will be there and I will be recording podcasts and we will be putting them up on the feed uh, across Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So you will probably be getting more content on the podcast than just a daily episode. Uh, so look forward to that and you can get some reactions and uh, some previews of what we can expect from the next year of cinema. Uh, Slash Film Daily is published every weekday bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and television, as well as deeper dives into the great features of SlashFilm.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send me your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, peter at SlashFilm.com. And uh, please, as always, go rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word. We'll see you probably later today.